Hello, friends, and welcome to the second bonus episode of the Nugget Climbing Podcast, this time with Charlie Manganello. Charlie has been coaching with Climbstrong for seven years and now heads the Elemental Strength Program in Lander, Wyoming. This is the full conversation I had with Charlie for the mashup episode with the Climbstrong team in episode 36, same situation as with Alex Bridgewater. We got into a lot of good stuff, and I thought it was too good not to share it with you guys. We talked about Charlie's transition from a multi-sport athlete to a more focused sport climber and rock climber. We talked about goals versus actions and the power of focusing all of your energy on one thing. We talked about misconceptions about deadlifting, about maintaining strength during performance cycles, Charlie's go-to hangboard protocol, why climbing is important, and about keeping things in perspective. I put a bunch of resources in the show notes over at thenuggetclimbing.com. If you want to dive deeper into any of this stuff, you can find it there. And that's it. Please enjoy another bonus conversation with Charlie Manganello. What does Charlie Manganello have for breakfast? Charlie Manganello, uh, I am a two egg kind of guy. Okay. Pretty much every morning. Uh, and then uh, depending on what's in my fridge or how much time I've left in the morning, it's usually some sort of veggie. And okay. Some sort of like sausage or meat. Okay. Thing. Yeah. You were just finishing breakfast at the gym here. Do yep. you guys have a stove up there? How do you do that? No, I just I do the. Uh, I I like coffee, so uh-huh. I drink a lot of coffee in the morning, and so I'm up pretty early, and I don't feel that hungry, or I kind of have that stomach where you feel like you can't really put anything down, or you're gonna kind of feel a little sick. Okay. So I usually lo- load up on coffee. I cook my breakfast, put in a Tupperware, and then I usually have it about oh, okay. eight or nine, so like a few <laughs> hours after I've been up. Gotcha. Does that change on climbing days? Yeah, I guess it does. Uh, if it's like an early morning yeah, yeah. and not like an afternoon session. Yeah, I usually just have the same thing, but just For, before I go out. Force it down yeah. before you go out? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So, Charlie, I, I had recalled that you were a climber, but also more of a well-rounded athlete. Climbing wasn't your main thing. I can't remember what else you were doing, skiing or mountain biking. Synchronized swimming. Synchronized yeah, swimming. Ribbon, ribbon dancing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, we were at dinner the other night and I was asking you, I think, how your climbing was going. And it sounds like you've been much more focused on your climbing recently than ever before. And I'd love to ask you, because you're kind of an interesting case, like you're coming into more focused climbing with a much deeper foundation of strength training than the vast majority of, I'm sure, the clients you work with and the vast majority of climbers. So that's really interesting. I'd love to ask, like, what are some of the things that you've been focused on making that transition and focusing more on red pointing? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I'd love to tell you, Stephen, that it was it was uh, planned or focused, but yeah. uh, really, I, I, I kind of... I guess flowed through these different phases of of psych on whether it was strength training or doing multi sports and climbing, and, and really it it all started uh, when I moved here back in 2011. You know my my background in high school and in my kind of young adult life in, in sports was. Uh, I was really into long distance running and I actually grew up as like an alpine racer. So I was skiing a lot Okay. and 
I kind of climbed here and there and then I, you know, I found it in college and, and I was a big boulderer, but I didn't really, I just did it cause it was fun and what my friends did. And I kind of was actually around a lot of really strong climbers. And so I learned really quickly what it looked like to beat your head against the wall and then, you know, <laughs> kind of have that, that carrot at the end. Mm. Um, but when I came to Lander, I actually didn't really know. I, I had no idea who Steve was, Steve Bechtel. And I kind of knew there was climbing here. I, I knew there was knolls here. I had taken a knolls course when I was in, in high school. But when I came to the gym, I got really close with a strength coach here, uh, Lee Brown, who lives down in Colorado now. And we had kind of a skiing connection. He got me into backcountry skiing. And he was like, dude, you're just, you're weak. <laughs> like you're, you know, you're strong for like just who you are. Like, you know, what maybe you did as a high school athlete, but yeah, like you just need to get strong. And, and I didn't really know what he meant. And I was just kind of young and naive. And I was like, oh, sure, dude. Like, can I work out with you? And he's like, yeah, sure. And so I just listened. And uh, I found out that I was terribly weak mm. um, talking to him about numbers and, you know, where I should be at with my body weight and stuff like that. But uh, as far as like squats for skiing. Stuff yeah, like, that, like squat, uh, squats were OK. Like my legs were already pretty strong just because yeah. of my skiing background. But like the the pulling was okay because I was a climber, but the pressing was real mm. tragic, okay. as he put it. <laughs> he was like, he was like, dude, I don't know if I can train this with you. Is like, tragic. yeah, yeah. He's like, I don't know if this is gonna work. Uh, and he was a, he was a pretty, or he is a really funny dude. But um, yeah, anyways, I got really into strength training uh, with him, and that's how I, I had been in Lander for a couple of years, and I knew Steve just because I worked at the front desk, but. We weren't really close. Like, he, like, asked me about... We were joking at dinner the other day where, like, Steve's a pretty reserved dude, mm -hmm. and uh, we joke about it now because I now do it where it's like, ah, oh, whatever, this kid's going to be here for, like, a year or two. Like, <laughs> I don't want to spend the time to, like, learn his name or, like, you know, what his family's like or, or whatever. But sure. he's like, oh, crap, I guess he is sticking around. I guess I'll have to get to know this guy. <laughs> um, he would just say bye to you on his way up. Yeah, he would, like, sometimes not. Like, I remember, I totally remember being like, oh, man, he didn't say bye to me. Like, you know, I'd be in the back, like, you know, getting mop water or something. And uh, I'm like, oh, man, his truck's gone. He never said bye. <laughs> Very emotional person. Um, he says bye now. Sometimes he still doesn't. Um, but anyways, you know, Lee, Lee kind of brought me under uh, his wing. And then Steve kind of was like, oh, this guy's like pretty serious. And then, you know, I guess long story longer was like, I remember starting to ask Steve training questions and how this kind of relates to climbing and strength, but I was like still super into running in the mountains. I still wanted to ski a ton. And I do remember thinking that I kind of knew better. And I remember Steve really early on telling me, he's like, you know, I think this is awesome. I think you're fit. You're young. Like you can do these things and you can kind of throw down some good times for your runs and climb a little bit. But, you know, if you really want to be good at one thing, you've, you've got to take it all the way. You're, mm. You know, you're, you're kind of stealing training from yourself if you're doing all these things or stealing performance. Synchronized swimming. Yeah, synchronized swimming, ribbon dance. My arms would get so tired. Um, <laughs> and I, I don't remember ever really being like he's wrong, but I remember being like, ah, whatever. He's just like a, kind of an old crusty guy. He's like doesn't know me. <laughs> And I had like an okay summer with some goals, but I started to realize what he really meant by that, hmm. where, again, you can throw down some really good times, but it's just like the uh, triathlon or triathlete example, where those guys and gals are super impressive. But if you throw down 
a marathon time on a on an Ironman, it's like not even close to what the actual real fast time is for a marathon or a mm. true runner or a biker or a swimmer, um, because you have to. I mean, yes, they're coming off the the swim into their bike and then the bike into the run. But if you think about their training, you have to balance all these things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's cool and great for triathlons or for our triathletes. But if you're thinking about being a performance athlete for one thing, you've, you've got to take that thing, you know, all the way to the finish line. And that's when I started to realize what it actually meant to, to take something all the way and actually reach your genetic potential and then take it further through training and, and tactics at the, at the crag. Hmm. And so, yeah, that was like 2013 to about 14 or 15 where I was still climbing a lot and bouldering. And then 2015 is when I really started to take climbing a little bit more seriously or just almost exclusively climb with, you know, little trips here in the winds and Tetons and, and skiing in the winter. It's, it's, easy seasonally to kind of like let climbing go for a little bit mm-hmm. but part of that is also you know i'm not old by any means but it's funny like when you turn 30 i'm almost 34 the shoulders feel a little creakier so <laughs> bouldering feels a little bit harder like just harder on the body you know knees feel a little bit creakier on the runs and so you know i the natural progression into sport climbing makes sense. It's mm. like pretty easy on the body. I mean, yeah, wild iris is kind of hard. It's like, bold, say. it's like bouldering on a rope and, and you got to keep your, your tendons nice and, and uh, strong. But yeah. yeah, like I also found that it was just easier. And then like I took on more responsibility at the gym and coaching a lot of athletes and, and managing the gym. So, you know, just focusing on one thing felt a little bit easier than trying to manage a bunch of other sports. But yeah, I don't think it's a, a cautionary tale by any means. I think people should do what they feel, you know, psyched about. But I've had plenty of conversations with athletes, and I really like talking with athletes about this because I've really come full circle. Like I have come from that side, um, wanting to do all the things. Yeah, wanting to do all the things, and 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 if if they have a stated goal of like I really want to push my limits in one thing, I I kind of have to. I, I kind of feel a little bit like a like an asshole but like i had to be like well that's great i think that's awesome but if you are if you do want to do all these other things you won't get exactly where maybe you could go mm-hmm. and i think where people get in trouble is there are examples outliers where people climb 514 and run these amazing you know 50ks and can you know ski the biggest baddest lines in the tetons and it's like that person's really amazing. They're an amazing athlete. And and the question athletes need to ask themselves is like, imagine if that person just took climbing all the way, like they'd probably be climbing much harder. Mm. And so 514 or five, whatever in your head is just like, well, he's climbing super hard. It's like, yeah, but how hard could he be climbing mm. mm-hmm. um, if he wasn't doing those things? Or how hard could she be climbing if she wasn't, you know, trying to balance her, her time with skiing and running and, and all those other things. And it's weird. You, it's it's all it's all within what the athlete wants. But as a coach, and what I've learned a lot through coaching a lot of athletes, is sometimes stated goals are in direct competition with action, hmm. and, and that's where our job, or I think a coach's job, is to point that out relatively respectfully, you know, not like graciously. being a drill, yeah, graciously or with some compassion yeah. and, and not like a drill instructor, but um, showing that athlete where it's like, okay, like 
what do you really want? Hmm. And, and sometimes people are like, no, I really do want to kind of just do all the things and be okay at, you know, the multiple things I like to do. Mm-hmm. And then I've had some athletes like, oh, wow, I never really thought of it like that. I, I do want to take this a little more seriously. And I, I can see myself letting go of some of these other goals. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we're always competing. And it's, and it's not that we need more time or more training. It's just that we have to decide. Hmm. Interesting. Has it felt, have you felt a loss from letting go of some of those other things? Totally. Yeah. I mean, I, I That's think, interesting. I think about it and it, it's not like a loss, like, Oh, I wish I was still doing that stuff. Yeah. But I do, I really did like the, all the trail running I did. I, I did really like winters where I just focused on my skiing, but finding the climbing and, and really focusing on performance there's other parts that I didn't have before that I've now gained. So it's like, mm. maybe it's not a, a give and take, but I've just, yeah, maybe it's a little bit of a mind or like a mental shift. Mm. Um, I will say sport climbing is, is pretty cush compared to like, <laughs> you know, running 37 miles <laughs> or, or, or yeah. being out in the Wyoming winter and trying to like ski 10,000 10, vert. Yeah. Uh, so there is part of me where I'm like, oh man, I am getting soft, but I actually don't mind. Like it's cool. Sport climbing is great. Like, you know, people who don't, it's really funny. People who don't understand sport climbing or people who aren't climbers, they're like, what the heck do you do for eight hours? Like, yeah. are you climbing the whole time? And you're like, actually like two thirds of it, probably more. You're just sitting and resting and watching people and eating and looking at your fingertips. And then like, you, what, six, seven, eight pitches later and done for the day but mm-hmm. it is uh it's pretty cush <laughs> i actually you know I, I love i love beating my head up against the wall and i love some of those endurance endurancey uh efforts but i have made a pretty full mental switch i don't know if i'll yeah. go back we'll see okay cool yeah so i know you had made quite a bit of progress with your deadlift and we can come back to that in a little bit but also other strength movements as well you had a really good strength foundation before kind of shifting your focus into more climbing. I don't know about your fingers. I don't know if that's something you're working on, but what are the things that you're working on as you dedicate more of your time and energy into climbing? Yeah, I feel very lucky that I I found the strength climbing or the strength training first mm-hmm. uh, before really thinking about my performance climbing. I feel like it prepared me to try hard, like learning actually how to kind of sit with a hard lift uh translates really well with like the pain or the tension or the the struggle with a really hard move or a hard sequence instead Mm. of just letting go because the same thing happens under a barbell you know if you're pulling really hard with a deadlift or, or trying to press something away from your chest like your mind wants to i mean the red flags or the you know the red lights are are flashing in your head you're like this like abort abort this is Mm. super hard like why are you here and i think that translates really well to climbing like just letting go instead of trying to you know get to the rest hold or 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 some rest sequence and it's the same thing with these sticking points and these lifts where you just have to get through that little crux or that sticking point on a route and and usually you'll get to the top i mean depending Mm. on where the crux is or you know there's way more factors in sport climbing than just lifting you know 300 pounds off the ground yeah um it's pretty simple it's like can you do it or can you not and it looks the same way every time for the most part um climbing is so so cool in that way that it's just so unique but yeah I, i would say i've definitely hit this point in my career where 
for a while there, I got pretty strong and, and I kind of almost was like one of those cross pollinated athletes that Steve <laughs> talks about where I haven't heard about this. Yeah. So, you know, you start to like see these numbers go up and you just get super psyched, just like chasing grades, climbing yeah. and you're like, Oh, I want to, yeah, I want to, I want to be a, you know, we've seen it with other, other athletes in yeah. the sport, but you know, I want to, I want to up my deadlift number by one and a half mm, pounds okay. or, you know, I want to, I want to see if I can learn this new lift and all of a sudden you're not climbing as much, right? Mm. Like that 75, 25 rule that we have where it's like, you know, 75% of your sport, 25% in the weight room mm. without your climbing shoes on, knowing that that percentage switches in seasons and injuries and stuff. But as far as total time, of total time. Yeah. yeah. So I found myself like flipping that. Like I was Interesting. like, I was in the weight room sacrificing climbing so I could like, you know, get yeah. stronger and some, some I've, movement. I've been there. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and it's like, there's nothing wrong with that, but yeah, it's, it's, um, something that we've seen people struggle with. Mm. <clears throat> and when I did that, I was like, Oh, like crap, I've, I've, I'm kind of that athlete and I've lost sight of, of what I really want to do for climbing. But now my, my main goal is just keeping relative strength up, like knowing we only need to be strong enough for for our sport um and it's been really fun i've 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 kind of made it a fun game with like what's the least amount of strength training i can do and still be okay on some of the numbers knowing that there's some numbers that i hit on some of these movements that i'll probably never hit again interesting you know maybe if i wanted to not climb as much i could but i don't need to hit those numbers again or like kind of coming to terms with it doesn't it, it doesn't matter i just need to be strong enough i feel like if i have enough strength and power in the weight room then i actually really need to probably just focus on my tactics my movement uh you know finger strength is a you know constant thing that we need to make sure there's up uh and then yeah like whatever kind of fitness i need for whatever route that i'm you know close on or psyched on mm. so it's it's hard in the same way i let go of some of the other multi-sport stuff i've also let go of uh, an era where i was like really like fittest of my life as yeah. far as like you know the kettlebell stuff i've done or or the weight training but again like power lifters aren't you know climbing right <laughs> you know and, and climbers shouldn't be like becoming you know olympic lifters right uh so it's uh it's really quite a a funny balance but i think there are athletes out there that have zero strength training background and i think there's value in going pretty deep there mm. and then you know not necessarily letting go of their their climbing or their performance goals but i think there's value in like an off season to go really deep on that stuff to kind of raise your your floor mm-hmm. and keep that floor high knowing that you can kind of come up and down from the floor to the ceiling of like your strength numbers but not letting the floor go back to you know weak like a kitten <laughs> you know uh-huh. and that's where i was okay. truly yeah uh, and I think the myth in strength training that we always try to debunk is that it's not bodybuilding. Mm. And our sport requires a really high strength to weight ratio, and we understand that gaining mass can really hinder someone's climbing. Um, and we also know there's there's athletes that gain mass really easily, and then we have athletes that like want to gain mass and they can't, mm. or it's really challenging. Um, but generally speaking, if we're we're keeping in the real strength zone like you know the three sets of three anywhere under 10 reps in a in a certain weight room routine um total yeah total so two sets of five three sets of three yeah yeah. all like uh, five singles like whatever Mm -hmm. whatever set and rep scheme you want that's somewhere in in the six to 12 or 15 range um we can kind of tap out of that or you know move into the out of the 10 one a little bit but 
um, we're not going to gain mass. That's still such a common misconception. It's so crazy. I'm, I'm really, I'm really amazed that a lot of people still are confused by that. Like, yep. they think that going heavier, lower reps is how you build mass. Yeah, and and it is like my life's mission to like <laughs> continue to to break that myth because if we keep the intensity high and the volume low, it's all central nervous system focus, right? It's motor recruitment. It's it's making what mass you have work the most for you. Mm. Um, and a lot of people don't realize they have this strength that is actually already within them. They just need to train their central nervous system to fire the muscles they have more and quicker. Mm -hmm. um, is there like connective tissue adaptation stuff going on as well with? Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 And that just is a lot slower. I mean, we know that with finger, with mm -hmm. fingerboard training, that stuff just is zero, like blood flow compared to muscles are very low. Mm hmm. And it just takes a really, really, really long time to, to get that going. And, and that whole connective tissue and, and motor recruitment and, and a, maybe a little bit of like muscle gain, depending on how deep people are going in this training, is also just making you like just functionally a, like a more useful human, right? Like, you know, we joke about it is like, you know, someday you're going to have to move out of your apartment or someday you're going to have to like move a fireplace out of a basement. And like, it's really nice to know that you can like actually do those things mm. without too much trouble or hiring someone. Um, but like, you know, all the, the bullet points like injury prevention and balancing out certain muscle groups. And we know with climbers that the push is, terribly weak compared to the pull and the pull will always probably be stronger for a climber because it's what our sport is um, but if we can get that push number up we're, we're going to be well well balanced real quick with that is that more horizontal like bench pressing or overhead or both both both, both for sure the overhead is really challenging for climbers because of the shoulder mobility that can sometimes be lacking okay just because of like the turtle back yeah. uh scenario <laughs> and um Putting your arm up overhead can be really challenging if that mobility is not there. Okay. Um, but yeah, both pushing, uh, both horizontally. So like what Steven's talking about is like a bench press or a push up, or vertically like a overhead press or putting weight up overhead. Okay. Um, we like the overhead pressing for athletes, not necessarily for that number to be super strong. But we like for that to be in someone's workout diet or menu because it forces that arm up overhead. People don't think of it like this, like stretching or doing mobility work is really important, but also doing the movement patterns is a form of mobility. Mm. So like putting your arm up overhead with, you know, a load that you can handle is being like mobile or yeah. like working on your mobility. Yeah. You don't yeah. have to do like a shoulder stretch to work on specifically just mobility. You can just do presses mm. uh, and maybe not just do presses. You should still do some mobility. Sure. I'll get, I'll get roasted <laughs> if I say don't do mobility, uh -huh. um, but it is a form of mobility. And you're gaining strength at that, that new end range, right? Exactly. Which is, yeah. Which is exactly too. But the, the strength training is really funny. Um, you know, S Steve and I have kind of been tagged to the, as these deadlift people or anti running people. Uh, yeah. you know, those are the two things that come the most in like <laughs> emails or like conversations and we aren't against it or like totally pro deadlifting. We just, it's a really good bang for your buck. It's super helpful. It's a moving pattern that, uh, we don't do naturally unless we have some sort of like training background mm. and, and the posterior chain is one that keeps us nice and rigid and overhanging terrain. Mm. It's not just the six pack. Um, right. It's the, the back abs. And then the whole running thing is just like, yeah, like you don't have to run. I mean, if you want to run, you can, but you don't have to like to 
be a better climber. I mean, you kind of made this analogy earlier and Steve's made it too, but the lifter versus climber thing, same thing. Like runners aren't cross training with yep. rock climbing. Totally. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's really important if, if we're talking about like any coaches listening, you know, there's a lot of things I want to say to athletes like, you know, do this or do that, or oh, you're stupid for thinking that. And, and you know, I'd be lying if I said I haven't been on phone calls where I'm just like, oh, major eye roll. Um, <laughs> and I have to be careful, right? Like, people are coming from a bunch of different backgrounds. There's a ton of information out there. It's like, mm-hmm. it can be really hard to consume or digest. And, you know, our goal is to educate and it'd be like, okay, so you want to run a ton. That's great. As long as it doesn't get in the way of any of your sessions, keep running. And, and a, a perfect example is an athlete who's a really high-level climber, like 14-plus. And he just insisted on always running in his training. And for a year, you know, we had conversations about it. Um, you know, I'd kind of drop it in there a little bit. Like, you know, do you think you can take the running out? Or, you know, you, you're hiking to this faraway crag. You're kind of getting some decent mileage. You know, you're... You don't need to run. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, oh, no, I think it just kind of keeps me light. And, you know, I like it. I'm like, that's great. Like, keep running. And this went on for like a year. And I, I would kind of bring it up every once in a while. Or he would kind of bring it up. And sometimes he'd run more. Sometimes he'd run less. And then, yeah, again, like a year, maybe even a year and a half into the training, maybe it was work kind of stuff that kind of kept him from running. Or he was really kind of getting ready for a climbing trip to he had a like a local project he wanted to do and then he was going to the red and uh, he hadn't run for like you know three or four months and you know we were kind of kind of doing a after season debrief and he had some good sends and and hit a lot of his goals and he's like man i tell you like i don't need to run anymore i don't like i i was like i kept the same weight i needed to be Mm. i sent the hardest stuff i've ever sent or i sent some grades that i don't usually send as quick as i do and and I, you know, I wasn't like, ah, oh, I told you so. It was like, oh, that's great. Like, I, yeah, I think that's awesome. Like, <laughs> yeah, we we yeah. don't need to do those things. And uh, he needed to find that on his own. Totally. It's like when you're a kid, when your parent tells you something and you're like, no, nah, I know better. And uh-huh. then like, you know, whatever, three months later, you're like, oh man, they were right. I shouldn't. <laughs> you have. probably never even make that connection as a little punk kid. Oh yeah, right? totally. Right. You're like, oh, I discovered something really profound. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on <it's>, my own. <laughs> oh man. I mean, the, like, oh God, the, the, there's so many examples of like, you know, <laughs> like I was telling you that, but that's great that you learned it on your own. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, I think where, how we, if at all possible, how we should learn things. I mean, mm-hmm. people have to kind of experience stuff to to make change instead of just be told to change. And who knows? I'm sure you planted that seed, you know? Sure. I'm sure that was germinating and he, he might not have been aware of the running as the factor, you mm-hmm. know, if you hadn't been kind of pinging that over and over. Yeah. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and I think some people do like the running or, or some sort of like low intensity aerobic effort just to kind of clear the mind. Yeah. And some people like really have, I wouldn't call it a condition, but like have that, I have to work out every day. Yeah. Kind of mindset. And something that has worked in the past is, you know, treating your recovery like a workout. Mm. Right? Thinking about, man, I cannot wait to be super ready for my intense session or my climbing day or my lifting day or my hangboard. And I know that can be really hard for people. But I think if we can have that mind switch, we can think about these somewhat 
chill days or recovery days or where we're not like getting our heart rate up or lifting something heavy, we can trick ourselves a little bit. Like this is what I need to have a good session mm. instead of just the feeling of, oh, I got to work out. I got to work yeah. out. I got to work out. Just check that productivity box just yep. by resting. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's and, cool. And also too, I, another like tech, yeah, another tactic that works is like watch like climbing videos, like mm. do, it's like the same way pro football players watch tape. Like, you know, they're recovering. Them. Yeah. They're recovering from some, you know, game where, you know, they're working hard and then they need a rest before they hit the weight room and then they're off to the next game or whatever it is, you know, they're watching tape to prepare for the next thing. Hmm. And that's a workout for them, or that's a, a version of training that, a session. that yeah. doesn't feel like a workout, but it, it's, it's important. Like to watch video of yourself or, you know, watch bait on some climb or some route that you want to do. Hmm. I mean, we live in a world where pretty much everything, it's crazy. Every, every route you could <laughs> pretty much imagine is, is videotaped. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So yeah, just a little bit of a mind switch there. Yeah. Cool. I want to come back to this deadlifting thing. Okay. So I remember Steve saying that you were getting really close to three times body weight on your deadlift at one point. Is yeah. that, is that true? Did you ever hit that? Yeah. So, uh, man, I, it's really funny. I mean, it almost feels like a dream. It was, it's been a while. And, okay. and again, I, I did, I was deadlifting like crazy. Um, when I, how old was I? I think I was like 25 and I know like I'm not that old, but like 25 feels so different than 34. <laughs> uh-huh. And I wish I had video of it because it probably was, it probably wasn't a technical max. Okay. It was probably like an all out max. I'm sure there was like some wet noodle back in there. I honestly, like I couldn't even remember. I mean, this is well before I had much of any training except for just kind of following. So technical max is the hardest you can do with really while keeping good, good, form. Really good yeah. form. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And there's like the all out, like whatever it takes. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, with, with high risk, right? Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I was deadlifting a ton. I mean, just cycle after cycle after cycle. And I, and I, I need to write this article and I have kind of come back and forth on this piece that I haven't put out. But, you know, what I was doing with Lee was I just listened. Hmm. Like I didn't overthink it. I didn't say, hey, what about this? Or like, hey, how can I add this? Or I'm going to stay after and, and, and do more training. He was like, listen, Charlie, we're going to deadlift like three times a week. Hmm. We're, you're you're going to leave the gym and not feel that tired. Like you'll feel powered down, but don't do more, don't do less, like, listen to me. I mean, he, he didn't really say that. He wasn't like, you know, mm-hmm. listen to me. I will make you strong, son. He was just like, trust me. And I was like, yeah, 100%. Hmm. And I was like, oh, totally in it. More, it was probably my, uh, like, just being naive to to not really knowing anything. So I just was listening regardless. <laughs> uh-huh. But I just did what I was told, and it worked. <laughs> huh. And uh, And, yeah, I pulled... I'm usually about like 150 pounds. I think now I'm like maybe 154 or 153. Um, I did get up to like 167 when I was training a a ton. Like that was more mass, like kettlebell stuff and like lots of volume. Um, But I think I pulled 400 at 150. Nice. So that would, that's wouldn't be three times body weight, but it was getting close. Yeah. Um, And I haven't pulled a number like that in a long time. Okay. Um, Again, I've like I've got an old log that has some of those numbers that I used to pull and I'm so glad I wrote it down because I honestly it's been long enough where I almost don't even believe it anymore. <laughs> like I do remember us like checking the weight to make sure it was actually four hundred pounds like two or three times before I pulled it. Uh-huh. But yeah, I, I I definitely can't pull that. I mean I bet you my max now in What's really cool is it, it shouldn't feel depressing when I say this number because this strength has stayed with me for a really long time and I've just kept it or maintained it mm-hmm. at a pretty like 
easy level for the last six or seven years. Yeah. But yeah, I bet you my max is probably now like if I really wanted to pull hard, maybe like 325 or like 330. Okay. I mean, I haven't pulled that in a pretty long time, but I could be away from strength training or not deadlifting and, and pretty much constantly pull 315. Like I know I could just do that. Okay. Probably, hopefully for the most of the rest of my life. But, okay. Um, yeah, I think it's because of that background, because of all that training that put me like my floor will just never really go down as long as I maintain it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure if I didn't pull for a couple of years or a few, it might go down, but I bet you I could not pull for a year and yeah. still pull at least twice my body weight, which is, you know, three, three or five or yeah. something like that. So what does that maintenance look like for you these days? Um, I kind of will, if it's off season, I'll kind of do like a two or three a day a week pull. Okay. Or in like all the other movements, like whether it's a front squat or maybe some sort of unilateral stuff like pistol or. And just for reference for folks, like how many reps or sets are you doing in, in a session if you're training that often? Yeah. Usually like a two by five or a five by two. It's okay. kind of like our gold standard. And what we like about that is it can waive the load. Okay. So like a two by five, you're not going to have as much weight if you were doing a five by two. Okay. So it's still 10 reps total. So you're keeping in the, the volumes low and the intensity is relatively high, but you can kind of stay away from, I think where people can get in trouble is they kind of stay in the five by two or like the singles or like mm-hmm. one set and rep scheme for a really long time and it can get stale real quick, but you can change that by still having the total reps be about the same, yeah. but the reps you do in a given set will change that. And so you can kind of wave away. Will you wave that within a week? Yep. Okay. Yep. And then sometimes I just won't feel like doing five by two because it takes too long. Okay. Um, and I'll just do two <laughs> by five for the week or okay. two by five for two weeks. And that's just like a product of being busy or I don't have enough time to get it in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, like I'll do, even if it's just like once a week or once every 10 days that will kind of get it, get it done. And it's just like a little check and like, all right, I still got it. Okay, good. Like it hasn't gone anywhere. Yeah, that's great. So before we started recording here, we were talking about how you and Steve kind of get pigeoned as the dead, the the deadlift people, but you've kind of changed your tune. Like it doesn't sound like you guys, maybe you've never advocated for it being this super important thing and Mm -hmm. it just kind of, you know, people perceive it that way. But I'd love to ask two questions. Um, First, how strong do you think you want to continue to be? In the deadlift for your climbing, um, you know, what's the sweet spot? And then what do you, with that, like, you know, where do you want your clients to be mm-hmm. as kind of like a base level of strength? And then I'd love to just hear you speak to some of the misconceptions around you guys with deadlifting and like really what the, what's at the heart of like the purpose of it. Good. Yeah. Thank you for asking that. Um, I would say we never really have changed our tune, but I think we realized we weren't explicit enough when Mm. that a lot of that like the podcast come out came out or some of our books like the recently the unstoppable force or logical progression or the old strength book where makes it seem like you're deadlifting yeah yeah and it was like deadlift 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 is going to be your ticket to your next hardest red point and Mm. i think that was more this happens i think in our world where we're constantly talking about it and we kind of think we say it right but you know if someone's finding this for the first time like oh steve bechtel said deadlifting so that must mean it must be harder climbing um and i think we've done a better job explaining what we really mean by why we want to deadlift but understand that it's not going to be the way forward it could be a way forward and you know 
just recently listening to Jonathan Seagrass talk to a bunch of coaches and, and talk about his kind of journey and, and his tactics. One part that really stuck out to me was this magic of climbing. There's just a lot of pieces to that puzzle. And it's people want to find the thing that they're either not doing or the thing they're already really good at mm. and try to just like, the silver bullet. this is going to be the silver bullet. And there's yeah. just no silver bullet, especially like you could be I at this 10 years y- looking for that. Child. Yeah, I know, dude. And honestly, <laughs> like I, I, I'm, st- I'm starting to learn a little bit more about, um, sleep. Hmm. Um, this book, Matt Walker, uh, why we sleep. I think sleep's the magic bullet. Huh. I really do. Like, I love that, man. I think sleep is actually the magic bullet. We I'll, have. I'll link to that book in the show. Yeah. Notes. Yeah. Um, and I'll link to a podcast with Matthew Walker as well. Yeah. It was really profound. Yeah. I'm not uh, a very academic person, so I have to kind of like <laughs> listen to that stuff a, uh-huh. a lot to, to, uh, digest it or understand what he's talking about but i think sleep and probably nutrition are our our magic bullets Hmm. for sure but yeah back to the deadlift you know i think people really latched on to that like Mm -hmm. oh i'm not gonna hang board i'm not gonna like go with the crag i'm just gonna like get my deadlift number up and that's where people really miss the mark i think what i'd like to say here and what i want people to understand when we talk about the deadlift it's usually something that's neglected it's a moving pattern the hip hinge which is your hamstrings your glutes your low back it's neglected because it's not a movement we do in normal life Hmm. and if you've got zero training or background in weightlifting it's usually the thing that's pretty darn weak and it relates to climbing really well it's about you know using your posterior chain so the, the muscle groups i just said to pick something really heavy up off the ground and then hold it up in this standing position and then put it down. And so by making that posterior chain stronger, you're actually going to be be able to translate to that to overhanging terrain where you're like, you know, what happens right when you fall off the wall, the hips are slowly getting farther and farther out and then boom, you're, you're off the wall. And yes, you are limited by your finger strength and hold type and size of the hold and all that stuff. But if you're kind of in your range and like, maybe close to sending, having that ability to stay rigid and tight through moves uh, is super duper important. That's the biggest translation we see or like want to convey to people. Okay. Um, and then as far as the numbers are concerned, <laughs> you know, there's so much, uh, I don't want to say contention, but like confusion here. First and foremost, like two times your body weight is nothing compared to real people who like deadlift like it's i mean yeah you know i think you know thor uh i can't even remember his name off the top of half my head thor. yeah half thor um he's got the world record now like he beat eddie hall's okay uh deadlift record and so i think it's like i don't think it's quite 1200 pounds yet but it's like 11 something right Jesus. and yeah these dudes weigh like 400 plus pounds and so it's actually not that far off from like two times their body weight mm-hmm. but like you know a 400 pound deadlift is like it's not even their warm-up I mean, like, I'm not even kidding. Like, yeah. you know, you put 500 pounds in the bar, like, oh, I'll do a set of three to kind of get myself ready for the day Yeah. Uh, for, for real power lifters. So let's be clear. Like, these numbers are, like, just laughable to someone who actually lifts weights. But the two times body weight is what I would say, like, the top end that people maybe might want to consider for their deadlift or for, 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 for that movement pattern. Like diminishing returns. If you try to go beyond that, it's just doesn't matter anymore. Interesting. Like if you're interested in it and you're not climbing or maybe you live up in Alaska and you know, it's January and you're like, well, what what else am I going to (laughs) do? Um, you, you know, as, as long as it's not taking away from your climbing, but 
the two times your body weight is like, yeah, cool. Go find that and then just keep it. Um, but truth be told, like, you know, we're talking about more of the athletes that can't pull their body weight. Mm. Like that's where it's like, okay, there's, there's a low hanging fruit here that we can, Mm. we can tackle. Okay. It's not going to make them climb their project. Hmm. Like it's just not going to help them climb their project. It's just a way to be a better, more well-rounded athlete. The same way Olympians need to be well-rounded, like Olympic people, runners, maybe even synchronized swimmers, uh, (laughs) they have to train, right? Like there's Mm -hmm. an off season or there's like a strength component to their training and there should be a strength component to climbers, uh, training, but it's not the thing. Mm -hmm. It's just, again, that small piece. Um, and when you find yourself not getting an extra pitch in or sacrificing a climbing day because you're deadlift, you're in trouble. You're just, (laughs) you've, you've gone to the other side and that's cool. Some people are like, I'm not interested in climbing anymore. A really good friend, Natasha Barnes, you know, was a yeah. really high level, like an Just awesome. Just had her on the show. Like, yeah, awesome climber. And she still is. Like, off the couch, she's probably pretty damn good or better than most. Yeah. Um, but she found powerlifting. She psyched on it. Mm-hmm. It's what excited her, and she she moved into it. She's um, crushing, too. Yeah, she's so strong. Yeah. Um, but she's not climbing as hard as she used to, mm-hmm. right? She, she went the other way and that's fine. People can find that. But the moral of that story is that like, yeah, she just jumped to another focus. Mm-hmm. The climbing is still, she's, she's still got this tremendous training age. Like she, she knows what it feels like to pull on double digit boulders and, and do really hard moves. So she has that, but she's not as strong as she used to be. And that's what we need to take away from that. Uh, no, she's not as good at climbing as she used to be because she just went the other way and that's mm-hmm. fine. But uh, we don't want people to think that if they become a power lifter, it's going to work. Yeah. You know, and, and I know it sounds so silly even just saying it out yeah. loud. Like we know people know that, but I think some people just get caught up in it. Totally. And don't really realize what they're doing. Yeah, totally. I think she said as much because she does actually, she tries to encourage climbers to gain weight. Right. You know, and to get stronger. But she did draw that line like, hey, you know, remember that I'm psyched on powerlifting. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not telling anyone else to be psyched on powerlifting. It's yep. just, it's my new thing. So yeah, and, and and the strength training is is a part of climbing training. And again, this is like I'm hopeful that we're doing a better draw, job in this industry. You know, coaches around the the country and around the world to convey this just even a little bit of a in a simpler way for athletes. It's like if we can get you in the rate, weight room. Like if your skin's trash from your climbing session, we can build overall capacity, like your ability to train more Mm. through weight training. So Mm -hmm. it's just like a, it's just another tool in the toolbox. If you're injured, we can keep you in the weight room to keep the rest of your body strong while you're waiting for some finger Mm. to heal or shoulder or ankle or hip or whatever. Even if it's just using the other limb that's not injured. Hmm. Um, There's a tremendous amount of value there. And I think where people go is like, oh, I'm injured. I'm just not going to train. I'm not, mm-hmm. I can't climb. I'm not going to climb. It's like, well, look, dude, go get in the weight room. Or like, why, why don't you work on a really perfect example is we've, we've got, what's really cool about um, my job or the access to athletes that I have is we have a really psyched community here in Lander that aren't climbers, just people who want to be fit and be strong. Okay. And uh, there was a, a woman here who broke her ankle, or no, she had this like really crazy ankle surgery. She had like some arthritis down there and she kind of did this um, somewhat new surgery where she had like an ankle replacement. Mm-hmm. And I, usually it would be just a fused ankle, but they're getting better at this. So people can actually 
have use of their ankle the way yeah. they normally should. Yeah. Um, and so it was like a really invasive surgery. It was really hard and big recovery time. And, and she could have easily just been like, ah, my ankle's busted. I can't go to the gym. She just bench pressed for six months. <laughs> like, you know, she didn't like become like this crazy, you know, looking bodybuilder. She just, she still was able to provide a stimulus to her central nervous system. And yeah, like we would have loved for her to be able to do deadlifts and front squats and stuff, but she couldn't, mm-hmm. but she just bench pressed and did pull-ups and, you know, started to work through PT. And then she came back to her regular training that much more prepared or that much better. Hmm. And of course her leg was terribly weak by the time she got to train it, but she used weight training to continue to stay in the game. Hmm. And I think climbers can do the same. Hmm. And if those numbers are low, we want to get them up, but we like get them up and then we move to the next thing. Okay. And usually it's more climbing. <laughs> more climbing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, or like, again, like talking to so many different athletes and seeing videos or, you know, it's like, oh yeah, like, I don't know. Like, I think you should try to not have socks on. Like, let's, let's get you some tighter shoes. I mean, I know that sounds really silly, but mm-hmm. some people that are new to this sport don't understand all these funny little things that will help you yeah. climbing and yeah. it's like oh i don't know like looks like you're not using chalk why is that <laughs> you know what i mean I, it sounds so silly to yeah. anyone who has been anywhere remotely close to serious about climbing but for some people they just don't know or it's like you know with limit level bouldering it's like you can you know you don't have to start from the bottom every time <laughs> like i again like i've, I've had that conversation with people that are like oh oh okay yeah I'm like yeah you can do that move in isolation like Interesting. Let's see if you can do the move first and then you can start it from the bottom again or, you know, make sure you have that top dialed before you try it again because it would be, you know, we know what it feels like to go through the crux and then punt. Like it sucks. (laughs) Um, It's like, oh, I didn't spend enough time learning this. So Mm. there's so many other, other factors uh, that we need it. And those are real easy ones. But, you know, another example is we see people like on paper have these insane strength numbers, like, you know, one, five, nine and like, you know, max edge hangs on a 10 mil edge with like, you know, 150 pounds or whatever. And you're like, Whoa, this person must climb V14 and, and climb, you know, 14 plus. And, uh, it's like, yeah, I'm like looking to climb 12 a and you're like, what, <laughs> how does that work? Mm. And it's in it again, the football reference, it's like those combine numbers, tell a part of the story like mm. whether this person is able to do the thing but there are plenty of examples of people who have those numbers that either a can't perform or aren't doing the thing well enough to mm. perform and or people that are really good that don't have those numbers right yeah. exactly and then it goes the other way around like yeah you know compound numbers uh, or like even like a resume for a job it's like oh this person is not qualified but all of a sudden you hire them and they're just like whoa this person is like super psyched and really good at the job hmm. uh, and it's the same thing with with climbers where it's like wow i don't know how you climb this hard but that's awesome <laughs> like we should get you stronger and you'll you'll be psyched hmm. but yeah this this example i'm thinking about with this guy with insane strength numbers he would just he was a, a smith climber actually okay and uh he would just go out and like do one warm up lap try his project once and then go home. Huh. And you're like, okay, let's try three pitches <laughs> in the day or let's try four pitches or, you know, have you actually done some second tier climbing? Like, have you sent stuff in a day that's a little bit below your limit? Hmm. He was just, you know, throwing himself against a project, but like had zero volume. Like he wasn't even, cl- it's that, that rock sense. He didn't have hmm. enough climbing under his belt to mm-hmm. like actually do well. So, 
yeah, it's strength numbers are awesome. It's so cool to be strong. It's a good feeling, but it's not the the whole story mm. for our sport. I wanted to touch on something you were talking about building work capacity or another thing you said as far as the deadlift goes is building a a well-rounded athlete. And I think a lot of people hear that and they're like, "Well, I just want to be a climber. I don't really care that much." But I think what gets missed is if you build more work capacity and become a more well-rounded functional human, you can do more specific climbing training. Like yep. you can you can go harder in the ways that are going to directly make you a better climber. For for some people, and I'm glad you just reminded me of that because I kind of lost my train of thought there. Uh, for some people, strength training is needed so they can actually be strong enough to do the training that's required for their goal. Hmm. If does that make sense? Yeah, like yeah. Y- you need There's like a pre-training. To, yeah, it's like people want to jo- jump into the Andre program uh-huh. right away. It's like um, expert level. I want to do the expert program because I want to be an expert climber. But it's like, you know, you you can't do that until you have the foundation or the the building blocks to then do the thing. Hmm. And so that is missed. And you're totally right. And even for people that have a okay foundation or some background, it's still a way to build up your capacity to handle more and more training in a a non-specific way. And the sentence we like or the term we like is train general to improve specific. Mm. If you just go to the specifics up first, you're probably going to break. Interesting. Yeah. I know this goes counter to some of the stuff we've just been talking about, but I'd love to hear, you know, you get someone to like two times body weight on their deadlift. What are some of the other key weakness areas that you see as trends with a lot of your clients? Yeah. Um, I think for, for climbers is the press It's the, it's the push, okay. um, you know, very often. And if we're talking about, like say a male climber here, you know, you could put a hundred pounds on their weight a uh, waist and then just have them do a pull up and like, God, oh, I was like, not that bad. <laughs> but then you like put them under like a hundred pound barbell to do a bench press. And they're like, you know, trying real hard or maybe don't even do it. Mm-hmm. And, and that might be an extreme example, but there is a, a tremendous amount of muscle imbalance. If you can pull, you know, say a hundred pounds on 150 climb, that's 250 pounds. If you can't bench 250 pounds, your push muscles are terribly undermatched for your pull. And so that usually screams shoulder injury hmm. or, um, Steve talks about this a lot. Is it actually, there's this like muscle inhibition that happens where your body is smarter than you are, mm. where if you're really, really strong on one side, it will stop making the pull strong because your push is so weak. Mm. So if we can up that push, we can also up that pull. Mm. And those are like extreme examples. I've really only seen like that once or twice okay. with like real, like, holy smokes, this person can't push to save their life. Mm. And uh, if we can get that push number up, we'll have a ha- happier shoulders for sure. Okay. And then other things that we're thinking about is like probably mobility. Okay. Yeah. And it's p- mostly in the hips, like tight hips. I mean, for sh- shoulders are an obvious one, but, you know, we think about, you know, these high steps that we do or these really funky outside of kind of our plane, like high foot way out to the, like, you think of getting horizontal on the rock and if you're pulling with your hands and you're like having to pull your knee up really high actively to like put it on this very precise dime edge. Um, it takes a tremendous amount of strength and control in your mobility to do that. Mm. So like, yeah, like simple frog stretches and hip flexor stretches and piriformis stretches. And honestly, just squatting is really good for that. And then I think people undervaluing 
the explosiveness in their lower body. Hmm. We think okay. of like, you know, the campus board or power pull-ups and all these different hangs. But when we're climbing, if you're climbing well, I mean, there are some scenarios where we're like, you know, cutting feet or campusing, but it's like very, I mean, I want listeners to think for just a second, like when have you decided to cut your feet, uh-huh. right? And actually do it as a part of the baby, maybe more so in bouldering than sport climbing. Yeah. But usually if your feet are off, you've like messed up, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or you're like, you're flailing. Yeah. Um, and so we're constantly using our legs and people know this in the beginning. They're like, trust your feet, trust your feet, like mm-hmm. use your legs. Your legs are way more way stronger than your upper body and they're they're actually the thing that's propelling us forward to the hold we're trying to latch or the crux sequence we're trying to do and so having explosiveness through the legs like you know box jumps or uh, incorporating your foot on campus doubles um, where you're actually like being explosive on the wall uh, is super important for climbing and what are those oh yeah so campus doubles are um, most campus boards now have kickboards like little yeah. like you know whether it's like footholds or like just a bar to put your feet on and it's like a low one a middle one and like a higher one and campus boarding is really uh, an amazing it's an amazing tool and if you're strong enough you can campus like true campus like without your feet and, mm-hmm. and see benefits but a lot of people don't have that kind of strength and so they'll jump right into campusing and it's like it's really painful to watch, right? Mm. Like they're loading their <laughs> shoulders and they're like, you know, hitting the campus rung and kind of flailing. But even for strong climbers, using the kickboard isn't like a regression. Okay. It's actually like you can develop, it's a quicker move. When we're campusing, it's like really this quick, like somewhat quick pull and then this unload of the arm to mm-hmm. like catch the rung. If we're putting our feet on the wall, it's a little bit more like our climbing where we're actually exploding off our legs to catch the hold so you're actually being more sport specific there or more explosive by using your legs so you're kind of like dynoing on the campus board yeah so the campus double would be like you know being matched on some rung and then exploding up to like you know say one six or one five okay one seven so your feet are coming off yep and okay and using the big rungs not letting the hold size limit your okay explosiveness and then as you get stronger you can you can go down the the rung size yeah but even like encouraging athletes to go further than they can latch like hmm. there is value in like latching a campus rung and like the contact strength and the confidence of like latching the thing but then it's like okay you do one six really reliably go for one seven like for a few sets hmm. and you might not latch it but you're actually going higher than you would for one six hmm. right like our body's mm-hmm. really good at like just going high enough to the thing we need. And <laughs> mm-hmm. if we like, you know, go a little bit higher, we can again, display that power Aim for the more. stars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. Okay. Oh, and the last thing I was going to say yeah. is the unilateral strength in okay. the lower body is really important. So, One you know, squats. very, you know, especially when it comes to hard climbing, like very rarely do we have two feet on at the same height and we're mm. like using both our legs to get to the hold. It's mm-hmm. usually like, you know, some high back step or, some foot we're kind of having to rock onto. So it's a lot of this unilateral leg strength. And so there's a a lot of value in those split squats or, you know, pistol squats or whatever regression you need to be able to do the thing. And those things do require a lot of mobility. So I definitely suggest people starting with like, you know, a lunge position, and then you can work up into these more um, complex unilateral strength. Okay. And that's so, so sport specific because it's what we do mm-hmm. it's a lot of one-legged squats really mm-hmm. and then latch the hold and then do it again cool yeah 
I remember a video that you posted, I think on Instagram on Climbstrong, and it was you doing a Turkish getup and you were holding a bell upside down with a glass of water on top of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, was <laughs> you, it beer or water? It might have been, wa- been beer. It might have been water, yeah. I think I wanted it to be beer, yeah. <laughs> and it was a beautiful get-up. You didn't spill. You took a sip at the top. You put the cup back on the, the kettle bell and then went all the way back down. And it was a pretty good-sized bell. I've been trying that a little bit. Not recently, but I tried that for a while, and I was like... I don't think my grip is strong enough to hold this thing upside down. I, I would love to hear um, how much carryover is there from from that sort of thing. To yeah, climbing. that's a, uh, that's funny. That's that's an old video. Um, yeah, it was great. Actually, so you know, my background, at least in like professionally, my training is in the kettlebell stuff, like with strong first. But yeah, I got it from a, a coach who who was my mentor that weekend, and uh, yeah, he's like super strong. But yeah, it's it's, it's a bottoms up kettle kettlebell Turkish get up and you know instead of having the arm be across your like forearm like a traditional get up you know you're holding this thing up on end so the bottom's up and you're just having to squeeze the handle really hard yeah you're holding um, the kettlebell upside down yeah and so it's like definitely a party trick kind uh-huh. of but the bottoms up kettlebell stuff whether you're cleaning it or pressing it or doing a Turkish get up or front squatting with it it requires a ton of grip strength so there's some crossover there like the crushing kind of strength not a ton because we know that crushing strength is helpful but not necessarily for like the kind of thing we need for for small holds okay but um it requires a ton of body tension which is a ton of transfer uh, transfer to climbing where if you let any part of your body kind of get loose or relax so like if you let your midsection kind of go or like that kind of like side tension you feel or like the tension through your legs things will get weird up there especially <laughs> if it's really really heavy yeah um and so i think more than anything the full body tension required and the focus to keep crushing and crushing and crushing for the duration of the turkish getup yeah is the is the carryover for climbing okay and uh you know the the water is kind of just like a it's 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 a it's a flex for sure, sure yeah <laughs> you know about like you know keeping it up and yeah a little bit more high stakes but I think the bottoms up stuff is really fun and we, we, we teach it because some people will get a little bit bored with their kettlebell stuff and it's a fun way to do the thing they already know, but really challenge them or make it a little bit harder. It forces them to actually bell down a, a few sizes. Oh, it goes to, lighter kettlebell. Yeah, to go lighter to, yeah. to not necessarily humble an athlete, but be like, hey, you've gotten really good at this get up or these presses with these really heavy kettlebells try this now yeah and they're all of a sudden they're back down to like the 20 pound kettlebell yeah and they can slowly start to build that strength do you think is that a good in-between progression sometimes i mean i i have i'm in my van i have like two or three different kettlebell sizes i haven't been doing turkish get-ups recently but if i were to if i were stuck between sizes would you have someone do 100 percent? okay yep that's cool yeah, yeah it's just huh. like a slight variation yeah and and again with all this training stuff i I guess another thing I want to say is there's definitely an ideal. Like mm. it would be sweet if you had more kettlebells, but like pretty soon your whole sprinter van is going to be filled <laughs> with kettlebells and you can't sleep anymore. Yeah. So it's like, what do you have? What can you do? What can you do to just kind of punch the training clock? And yeah, is it the best weight for you? Maybe not. Is it the best exercise for you? Nah, maybe not, but it's something. Mm. And I think the decision paralysis that athletes can have with that is... It can be frustrating to see as a coach. It's like, 
yeah, deadlifts are cool, but you don't have access to a barbell. Do some glute bridges. Mm. Do some kettlebell swings with your somewhat lightweight. It's okay. Like, just get it done. Mm. And so kind of letting go of the ideal and finding like happiness in like what you have access to. And I think that taught, that was taught to a lot of people during the shutdown mm. was like, Oh wow, I don't have full access to this gym anymore. Or like, you know, kettlebells are $500 now on eBay because, Oh really? The, oh yeah. There was like some crazy, well, like a lot of the, uh, at least rogue here in, in the States, um, went to some production for face shields and other PPE. Oh, okay. And so their production went down on kettlebells and then everyone like just trying to build just, a little home gym well yeah everyone yeah. just bought them out and then yeah. it was like these crazy back orders and and I, I i some of these like you know facebook strong first i was seeing links to you know kettlebells going for this absurd amount of money and i'm <laughs> oh, sure wow. people were paying for it yeah it was yeah. like it was freak out mode for a lot of people huh and you couldn't even get your <laughs> you couldn't even get you know any weight in the country yeah, yeah. but yeah just knowing that the ideal for sure exists but in reality you know you hit the ideal every once in a while, but mm. most of training is not. How has your grip strength or finger strength been? How has the carryover been from your barbell and kettlebell training to climbing? Um, that's a good question. I don't know how naturally I'm good at it. It might be mostly from like my heavy strength training days, but I'm, I'm pretty good. Like I, I can, you know, with the dynamometer, like squeeze my body weight. Okay. Uh, which is like pretty good. That's pretty strong. Like even even athletes who I feel like look strong or even can crush strong, like in weights, don't hit that number mm. that often. I don't think it translates terribly well. Like mm. I know for sure. It's actually funny. I think it was sometime around when Alex Honnold was doing like all his interviews before Free Solo mm-hmm. and, and the uh, the Oscars and stuff. And I think like a a reporter kind of had a dynamo dynamometer and like had him do it and he tried really hard and it was like i mean as far as strength numbers go like he is weak like Uh it was not a like an impressive number yeah and i was talking to someone and they're like whoa what can you do i'm like "Uh, way more than that and he is a way better climber than me Mm -hmm. like i'm not even close i'm not even in the same realm and so i don't think there's a tremendous amount of carry over there i think that's all happens on the hangboard okay and we can see people do some really impressive things on the hangboard and not really have that much for crushing strength okay um and steve and i and ellen did uh one of the festival the climbers festivals here in lander uh did a clinic where it was like and steve's referred to it in podcasts and stuff before where we had like the crushing test the pull-ups and what you read point mm-hmm. and it just didn't like it would have been cool to see like oh yeah if you get your crushing strength up you'll climb 514 but it just like yeah maybe the 510 no climber could use a little bit of more crushing strength yeah. but just like zero correlation yeah yeah and and steve's a really good example of that too he's got a really good crushing strength he also has like pretty big hands mm-hmm. and he would crush most any like probably any climber ever <laughs> and you know, he's not, he's a good climber, but he's not, uh, he's not at that level mm. of climbing 15 D. So yeah, yeah. it doesn't, I don't think it really carries over. I think there's some, impo- there's some important gains in the beginning, but it evens off real quick. Okay. Yeah. You got to get on the hangboard. What about, so what about hangboarding? Do you have a favorite protocol that you've, that's your go-to for yourself or also with your clients? Do you have a go-to? Yeah. I, you know, there's, there's a lot you can do in the hangboard and we can think of like these density hangs where the hangs can be a little bit longer, where you're kind of, you know, getting away from pure strength and a little bit of like that, like strength endurance or, or like 
almost somewhat aerobic efforts. Okay. Um, but as far as like strength training, I just keep the same principles I do in the weight room, you know, build sets as I start to like go through a cycle and then, you know, add, add to like my hangs as I kind of see fit. The thing that I don't do that we would do in the weight room is like, we have to remember we're working with connective tissue. Mm. And so we can't like build like we would with a deadlift. It's just like, you got to sit with uh, a set and rep scheme for a while before you, you know, get in trouble by adding, you know, pounds each time you go. Mm -hmm. So I think what I, what I like to do is, you know, maybe I start off with three, three sets of five seconds or three sets of eight seconds on some whole position and around here it's pockets. So those are max. Yeah. You know, like 70 to 80% of my max, right? Like that same kind of strength protocol where it's like, you don't have to be tapping up against this 90% or this 95% or hundred percent, but a single hang with a lot of rest in between. Yeah. With as much rest as you need. Okay. Um, and so, hang, 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 you know, rest, you know, three sets of eight. And then what I'll do is I'll keep the weight about the same. Sometimes I'll, I'll mess with the weight a little bit. Maybe I won't have it just right. Maybe it was a little too heavy. Maybe it was a little too light and I'll sit with that for a couple weeks. And then I'll go, say I started with eight seconds. I'll go to three sets of 10 and then I'll go like three sets of 12 seconds. And then once I get to 12 seconds, I'll go back down to eight seconds or five seconds and then I'll add a set. Okay. And so I can build that way for another couple of weeks and then I'll eventually get to like four sets of 12. And then if I'm still doing that, maybe I'll go five sets and then back down to eight and then build. And then after that, it's like probably time to change protocols or positions, or maybe I go to working on hold size rather than like finger strength, like, uh, making it hard by being taxed by the small like the smallness of the hold okay rather than like hanging on like a comfy kind of 20 fit 20 or 15 or 10 mil for me at least like if i go below 10 i'm not putting any weight on yeah yeah yeah. and and it's just like the ability to hold on to the damn hold right um and it's kind of a feels like a little bit like a deload because i'm not weighted okay but then i'm working on still my my finger strength okay and that kind of even a little bit more like the fatty tissue of like being able to hold on to a dime size edge. Okay. I'm not very good at that. So I still, <laughs> yeah. I still struggle with that. And yeah. then maintenance hangs are awesome. I do those all the time. And it's okay. like, even it's just like three positions, whatever you want, four positions, three sets of 10 seconds, you know, trying somewhat hard, but like leaving the hangboard session, feeling like you actually didn't really do that much, but just keeping the fingers happy. Mm. Cool. Yeah. I know Jonathan and Ken presented on, the seven thirteen repeaters mm-hmm. this weekend. What are your thoughts on uh, like a strength oriented repeater protocol versus what you're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think those are really good, uh, especially if you're kind of in an off season or okay. you're kind of like maybe not off season, but you're you're really focusing on your training and not necessarily your climbing. I think where people get in trouble is they're doing these really intense hangboard sessions and they're trying to like climb intensely outside Mm -hmm. or in the gym and they're starting to eventually look at a finger injury or just take away from the training that they're doing on their on their hangboard okay um so no i I, i've done i've done the 713 i've done the 73 i mean those are a little different as far as what we're training you know that would be like local forearm endurance with a 73 right with a with a negative rest to work ratio Mm -hmm. and the 713 is definitely more of the strength focus but yeah those are i think those are awesome okay yeah 
So they're a little bit more intensive and you would do them when you're not as focused on performance outside. Yeah. Okay. And, and it depends on the athlete too. Like if they've got a tremendous amount of training under their belt and can handle that, like fine. Okay. But you know, if you're truly trying to perform, it's, you know, you're the saying is like, you know, you don't train while you're trying to perform. You train before you're supposed to perform, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're supposed to do the work beforehand and then perform. It's and the the amount of times we use saving money as an analogy is almost nauseating with strength training. But it's the <laughs> same thing. It's like I'm not going to try to save money while I'm retired. Mm. I'm saving money before so I can retire. It's like I'm doing the training before so I can send mm. or so I can perform. Mm. So it's. You're either training or you're performing. You can't do both. Okay. If you're performing while you're training, you're not reaching your potential. Got it. Right? Yeah. And, you know, when someone says to me they sent on their sixth go of the day, <laughs> I'm like, that's not a limit level right. route or a limit level project. <laughs> right, and, you right. know, people hate hearing that, but it's like, I no. <laughs> right. It doesn't work like that. Totally. And if people are sending their hardest stuff while they're training, it's probably not the hardest stuff. Mm-hmm. And so we have to remember, like... Yes, you're telling me it was your hardest climb, but you're actually your tactics are completely off or completely hmm. wrong. Hmm. So you're either training or you're performing or it's off season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then maintenance while you're yeah. maintenance is don't okay. yeah, don't let that stuff go. You know, yeah, yeah. have you know, we love if you can muster it or if you live in an area where you can do it. If you have a hard training day or a performance day outside, if you can kinda like rally performance drink or like a, have a little snack and then get into the gym immediately to like keep those strength numbers up. Maybe it's a maintenance protocol for your hanging or, or your, um, strength movements do that after your performance climbing day. Cause then you're like, you can start your recovery sooner mm-hmm. instead of like waiting the next day or the day after. Okay. Cause then you're like, you know, you're just delaying the ability to perform again. Mm-hmm. And so if you can do that in your training, that's pretty smart. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. Uh, what were some of your biggest takeaways from the weekend? We we had a little bit of a conversation before we started rolling here, and I'd love to, to hit on some of that stuff you were talking about. Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway, and, and we had a really good conversation. I, I was kind of wishing we were recording because I <laughs> feel like I said it without a bunch of ums and likes, <laughs> which I'm so good at doing. Um, there it goes. The, the thing about this weekend and having 10 athletes here was really, really cool. And we know this has been coming... Uh, or it's been a long time coming where climbing is just really important to people. And, and before it was kind of this somewhat fringe culture and, and, and most climbers were mostly just pros, uh, or like, you know, people pushing the type of climbing that we now know and, and see in our world. But now it's just like a thing that people are really interested in. And, and Alex and I were, were talking about this during the shutdown and, the, what was cool to see this weekend is that some were coaches and, and people are going to bring this to their profession or to their livelihood. But a lot of people are just like, I just want to be better. Like, I just want to, I want to, I want to bring this climbing further into my career or further down, uh, into my life. And I just want to, like, I, I just, I'm so, people are just so happy to want to be better, like send stuff quicker or send their hardest stuff ever. Mm. And, 
it feels really weird in a world that we're living in right now to like kind of say this, you know, there's really terrible things happening. People are suffering through this pandemic. We've got a, a civil rights movements that that's really important and, and black lives matter. And, and I think we need to make sure we keep our climbing in perspective with, with mm-hmm. other things or hardships that are happening in the world. But I don't think that means to just let it go. And mm. I, I've seen some conversations go of the like, why do you like, why are you worried about your climbing day? Like there's more, you know, pressing issues in the world. And it's like, yeah, yes, totally agree. But, uh, I, what Alex and I were talking about when we were, we were, we were finding far and away crags to kind of still climb and be away from people. And it's pretty easy to do here in Wyoming. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we were, we were just saying like, man, cause we had moments of like, very long periods of time of not climbing like we normally do. And like, man, I didn't realize like how much of this stuff means to me mm. just in my everyday life. And it makes me a quality humor human. It makes me go to work and work hard. It makes me care about people or it makes me feel happy. Mm. And if we're, we're happy in our lives, we can, we can do good things in our lives. And I, I think for climbing right now, for people, it makes them who they are. And I don't think people should, diminish that or, or be quick to dismiss like, Oh, climbing's just a super selfish thing. And, you know, you should, you should be worrying about other more important things. And I think people should be, you know, looking to vote this, this season and, and, and having those tough conversations with race around, um, this, this country. But I also think it's important to do the things that make you happy. Mm. Um, and I think that's what was striking in that moment when we were talking about it, but also striking in these, these training camps and these performance climbing coaches, weekends we do where this stuff really matters to people and Hmm. and we we see it we hear it we want to we want to help people find success because you know i was talking with an athlete this weekend uh one of the older athletes we had and he's like you know finally i i found training and i i he was reading some book and i can't remember the the author but he was saying like we've got to treat our lives like we've our life is a terminal illness. Like we all, we all don't make it. Like (laughs) no one gets out of this thing alive. And we've all heard that phrase before. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there are some really crappy hands that people get dealt. There are real terminal illnesses that, um, take loved ones from us way too soon. But at the end of the day, we, we do all go to the other side, whatever Mm -hmm. that means for folks. Uh, and if we can do good and feel good, but also just like enjoy the ride hmm. for a lot of people. Climbing is enjoying the ride and we want to make that ride cooler. Hmm. We want to make it more fun. And for sometimes that fun is sending, sending the sickness. <laughs> uh, and I, I just think we don't want to, I don't want to lose that. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think that's what I saw this week. And people just like, I just want to, I want to be better, hmm. which I think translates into other parts of, of people's lives, like trying really hard or knowing what it feels like to try super hard to reach this unattainable goal. I think it makes you a better worker. I think it makes you a better family man. I think it makes it a better person all around to, to really go to battle with something. Hmm. Awesome. Thanks for yeah. sharing all that. You're welcome. Cool. What are you excited about right now with, uh, with training for rock climbing? What's something uh, that could, that's got you fired up? Fired up. I think what's got me fired up the most not only in my own climbing, but also coaching with athletes is the mental component. And I think Alex maybe touched upon this, like the, 
the positive spell self speak is super powerful. Hmm. And if we tell ourselves we suck or we think we suck, it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy that we kind of just end up playing out hmm. at the crag or in our training or in our year. You know, it sounds a little frou-frou if you <laughs> ask me, or it's like a little kumbaya like, you know, be positive and like, you know, just say you're going to do it and you'll do it. I, I don't think that's really what I'm trying to say, but I think the positive self-talk or the like, I am worth this, or I've tried really hard, or I have trained really hard. It's not that I deserve this, but it's like, I am good enough for this. Hmm. Um, I belong knowing, here. Yeah. What's that? I belong here. Yeah. I belong here. Like yeah. I, I, I belong on this wall. I can do this thing. Knowing that we don't always, it doesn't always play out. Like mm-hmm. we don't want to fool ourselves or have like a ridiculous amount of like over self-confidence. But I think that mind creeps in more in my climbing than I realized. Hmm. And I think it creeps in more athletes than I realized. Okay. And, having those conversations way beyond sets and reps and hangborn protocols and you know what climb you should be getting on it's like what are you what are you telling yourself before you get on the wall or Hmm. what are your thoughts when you're in the shower or when you're like before you go to bed or you know are they positive or are they not uh and you know when you get down or negative or throw a wobbler are you able to let it go Hmm. and we see that out at the crag or you know where people just can't let it go I learned this somewhat while ago. My my dad's a big golfer, and I played a lot of golf as a kid, when I was a kid and young adult, and I was never really good. But in golf, you're, like, constantly having to make these shots. Like, you know, if you're doing a round at 18, it's a lot of time to, like, put together a good game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd constantly, like, have a good hole and a bad hole and a good hole and a bad hole. <laughs> and, my, and my dad would always say, like, you know, forget that shot. Like, don't bring that shot to the next hole or don't bring that shot to your, you know, to the green or when you're putting. And I think, I think in climbing, that's really transferable. I don't think I was ever really good at it. <laughs> I think I'd continue to look at like when I shanked it into the, into the trees and then it would play out in all my other shots. But I think in climbing, you've got to like, you know, be angry and sit with it for a second, but truly truly put it away Hmm. and i think we tell ourselves we put it away (laughs) we actually don't uh i know i may be just speaking for myself but yeah i I hope that resonates with some athletes yeah totally i'm sure i'm sure it will is there something that you tell yourself or something that you that you say to your clients when they're struggling with that i think um i don't know if i have much advice there as far as like a mantra Mm -hmm. uh i think i'm still working on that okay but I, I think where my head goes and where I try to get athletes' heads to go is, like, I think we do go into these negative places because we do think we should be climbing harder or we do think we deserve to be climbing harder. And it's almost like this way of letting go of just, like, this is where I'm at. Hmm. Like, this is this is not the grade I feel like I should be climbing or this is not the grade I want to be climbing or this is not the grade that I put on my training log you know January 1st of whatever year Mm -hmm. but I am having a hard time I am struggling this is where I belong Hmm. and this is where I need to like see it through and then go to the next next project and Hmm. I think people lose that and don't do the necessary work or like pyramid to build up to like the actual goal they want. Hmm. And Jonathan said that a little bit this weekend is people not putting in the work on the 
second tier. Mm-hmm. You know, the the maybe it's not their limit, but it might be their limit for the day or mm. f- or for where they are in their training or and for so, that style or for that style exactly exactly yeah. i mean that's I mean, that's a constant struggle it's like you know anyone <laughs> who doesn't climb on pockets and comes a wild iris is continually reminded that 12c at wild iris is not 12c at like any other crag yeah uh so yeah i, th- I think it's just like the this is where i am and i need to work through this and i need to figure out why i'm not sending uh, and um just like accept it Hmm. Uh, and and not be like uh still not being satisfied knowing that you want more Mm -hmm. but just like this is the building block that must happen Mm -hmm. before i get to do the thing that i really want to do got it yeah cool well thanks charlie yeah this has been fantastic i really appreciate your time and it's been really fun meeting all you guys definitely man and yeah, i've taken a lot away and i've just been loitering around <laughs> chatting no, with you guys as you're available i so. really appreciate it it's and you know fun. you know steve has said a uh, bunch of good things about you and we're just psyched to be able to do this and right dude on. you're one of the original <laughs> training camp attendees man yeah like back in 2012 and i i was just front desk person man i had no idea like i i think i vaguely remember this weekend happening okay. or that weekend happening but i don't know i was probably going running or something <laughs> But, synchronized swimming yeah oh man yeah yeah that's gonna be my next book synchronized swimming for climbing <laughs> perfect <laughs> i really appreciate it. i really appreciate the time man right on man all right i hope to see you around see cheers ya. bye Like we do it.